Good evening, everyone. We are live. Hey, I'm happy tonight because I get the chance to meet other wonderful puppeteers. So it's so cool to have you people who are watching right into the comment from where you are watching. We are always curious about the people, the crowd. And if you have questions during the interview, feel free to ask. I'm Caroline. I'm doing this puppet podcast with a lot of passion. And I have my boyfriend involved in that. And we are giving tools to puppeteers to help them with promotion, with online uh, strategy, how we can reach more people. So this art is in an expansion, I feel, from the, the, the podcast perspective. I want to, before we go into the interview, just to let you know that we organize a workshop as part of our Patreon community. We are building this workshop with Edwin Salas. So this is uh, on January 10. It will be at 2 on a Sunday afternoon, and we will talk about OBS. If you don't know OBS, OBS is kind of a free platform to manage you with the technical aspect, to stream online on multiple platforms, and yeah, it's helping you to, to just put your show online or to, to discover this way of doing maybe another kind of puppetry with li live, live or not live, maybe record and, and play with that. So OBS is really interesting. And yes, Edwin have a lot of experiences. He started from the, the beginning of the pandemic and he know all the tools and tricks. So we will have him to give us some advice. So, so have a look on, I will put just the banner right, right here. It's on the Patreon. So the address is right there. You, you go Patreon dash puppet podcast. So here was the promotion time, but now let's go to the interview. So yeah, tonight we connect with US people, US puppeteers, and I'm so happy to bring in the screen, Mr. Barry Godmayer. Thank you for that thunderous applause. Please, everyone, sit yeah, down. Sure. Stop with the standing ovation already, please, please. From all over the world. <laughs> uh, thank you, Barry, to be part of this adventure of podcasting online in live. Well, thank you, Carolyn. Thanks for having me. Yes, it, it's so fun to to connect with talented people and I get the chance to wait, wait talented people you wanted to connect with talented people yeah oh, well, you got the wrong person I, I gotta go no, no, no. <laughs> yeah you you were looking for talented people talented like you you are so talented I saw your oh we've got a standards you, you, you are good, Barry. I want yourself to introduce you and your work to the people who are watching right now. Okay. Well, my name is Barry Gordimer. Many of you know me from the name Handemonium Puppets, which is the puppet company I started 36 years ago. Um, I do a lot of puppets these days for ventriloquists. Uh, but over the years, I've done quite a bit of television and video projects and some small films. And for a time, I was really known for making lookalike puppets. And so, uh, and it just keeps uh, it keeps um, morphing into something new almost every year. 
Yes, new challenge with new client all the time. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And I want to let you know, Barry, that we have people who are watching from Honduras. So that's cool, eh? I can yeah, drive. That's amazing. Wow. Yay. We have fans all over. So you will be famous all over in the puppetry community. Well, that's good. I can, I can use all the help I can get. Yeah. Yeah, and and you are known for for all of that. I I heard your name many times, and when I post the interview that we do, people just comment, "Oh, I love what he's doing and his work." And so it's it's so cool. So, are you ready, Barry, for the deep question of the puppet? puppet? Let me have it. Probe deep. <laughs> yes, let's jump on it. And your background is amazing, by the way. I can put it a bit larger for so people could see, but you. You have yeah. a wonderful friend, so I can't wait for the, the end of the interview to see those. That's got a few, got a bunch down here. This is my, my basement work studio where I spend way, way too much time. And I'm not going to show you all the stuff that's littering the floor. Yeah, we don't see it. We just oh, only the clean stuff. Only the clean stuff we're showing. That's perfect. That's TV. That's yes. what we do. So first question is the why. Why do you cherish the art of puppetry? You know, it's, it's a really interesting question. It's something I was bitten by a bug. I was bitten by a virus 35, six, seven years ago, and I've just never gone, gotten over it. Um, I used to be a news reporter in Charlotte, North Carolina. <clears throat> and in 1983, I interviewed two puppeteers, <coughs> excuse me, Donald Devin and Drew Allison, um, the founders of Grace Hill Puppets in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I went down to their, their little workshop, their basement workshop at the time, and on the walls they had rows and rows of all of these puppets, different shapes and colors and characters. And I just remember looking at them and I thought, I want to do that. And uh, uh, Donald and Drew were very famous for uh, publishing a book called The Foam Book, which is a step-by-step -step guide to using foam rubber. I think it's still in print. Um, and I know they had did a, a video version of that at, at some point. And um, at the time, the very first version of that book was called The Wit and Wisdom of Polyfoam. And so I lied, I said, can I have a copy of that book for my aunt? And I went home and I struggled through it and I made a puppet and it was awful. And I just threw it away. For some reason that I still don't understand, I made a second puppet and it came out pretty good. Well, this is kind of fun. And I had no idea what I was gonna do with it. Uh, a few years later, I moved to Minnesota, and one of the puppets that I made looked like somebody that I worked with <laughs> at my new job in Minnesota, and I hadn't intended that. So when his birthday came up, I made him another version of that puppet that looked like him. And soon I started getting orders from people for lookalike puppets of their friends and their families, and that's when I thought, I might be able to turn this into something. And that's how it all started. It was a complete accident. I had never thought about puppetry in my life, never, you know, beyond playing with some things as a kid, never thought it was something I would end up doing in any way, shape or form. And it, it hit me like a rocket. 
I love it. It's so great to voice it like this. It's a rocket. Yeah, it, it just boom. And I've been hooked ever since. And there have been ups and downs over the year. So after the lookalike uh, puppet phase sort of was, was waning a little bit, in the um, 90s, mid-90s, I decided I was living in Washington, D.C. I live there now. There's a lot of wonderful puppetry in Washington, D.C. with the school systems, the Smithsonian museums, all the tourist business. And I looked around and I thought, I, I can't do puppet shows like these people. They were really so, so good. So what is my place in puppetry? And of course, we were all huge Muppets fans. So I thought, I'm going to do uh, puppets for television. So I just started telling people, that's what I do. I actually had never done it, but that's what I was But eventually, it started to lead, uh, leading to uh, a lot of work in television. Um, um, a, a few things national. I did some work for Animal Planet, the Discovery Channel, um, did a, a series for them called Animal Planet News. New, two, two wildebeests were delivering the news. They were the news, G-N-U-S, the news with the news. <laughs> that was my first big break. And then I started doing a lot of educational videos, corporate videos, and all of that work just for years and years. And then as computer animation started getting cheaper, all of that dried up. It was very, very little. And then about uh, four years ago now, I did a Toyota commercial. And the person who hired me was a ventriloquist. He said, you ought to make ventriloquist figures. And so that's what I've been doing predominantly for the last three and a half, four years now. Wow, that's such a great story. It's really interesting to have the step-by-step, -step, your crush and all of it. So, yeah, this is one of my guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. You have like a, a, a touch, something really special, I feel. So one of the things that I've become known for over the years is being very sculptural in my okay. film work. And I'm also sort of known for having a very seamless look on my puppets. Yeah. And that all, that all draws, it comes from the doing the work in television uh, where you have to really hide the seams well on your puppets and and I've kept that going and it's very popular with the ventriloquists. Yeah, because they are like mostly they have big giant camera going towards them. Right, the right. So it's important to have a slick, slick uh, puppet. That's great. Yeah, so that I've been doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, this is uh, something for an online television show that somebody's developing. So I'll be hopefully doing a few more puppets and getting out for him. This is a lookalike puppet of the person who's the host of the show. Oh yeah, it's a lookalike. Mm -hmm. His name's Lawan. Mm, that's so great. I love the, the hair, how it's it's made with... <laughs> it's yeah. So nice. <laughs> yeah. He's a little more realistic looking, a little more yeah. proportional. Yes, it's really, really realistic and, and it's pretty. And made with arm rods that screw in and out, which is a very popular thing in television, be able to remove the arm rods, sometimes placing green screen ones or just uh, mm -hmm. uh, so they can hold props or hold a steering wheel on a car or something like that without seeing the um, 
Yes, a lot of detail. We have Derek who say like the details are amazing. Yeah, and I, I get obsessed with those details. Love doing the little details here and there and things like that. And then the other thing I've been um, known for lately is um, I developed a blinking eye mechanism uh, for puppets that's controlled inside the puppet with no external controllers. I mean, here's something that I'm working on right now. Oh my God. And um, it took me a lot of years <laughs> to develop this mechanism, but I'm very happy with it. Yeah. yeah. Slow. Slick motion. And you can do it with the mouth open. <laughs> or closed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's something I'm getting known for. And I've just started something, doing something new is I've actually started 3D printing ah. uh, AI mechanism for the first time. Wow. Um, I have been making these out of Christmas, hollow Christmas ornaments. Okay. Yes. In different sizes because they're really available. Uh, but then I thought, oh, I don't know, what about 3D printing? And so I'm in the process of, of experimenting with doing a, a 3D printed mech. And the great thing about the 3D uh, that is I can size them up or size them down real easily in the software. And so then I don't have to go out and, and stock, you know, uh, numbers of parts in different sizes. Yeah, so, do it in the machine, like right. do it for you. That's so far I've made one puppet with the 3D printed mech and I'm gonna keep working on that and getting that perfected a little more. But it was really important for me to control it inside. Uh, when I would do television puppetry, I used to rig up the, my mechanisms with a cable and another puppeteer would control the eye mechanism. This is a yeah. puppet back here that I did for a children's television show. Oh gosh. Yeah, with the, the now, he's made of latex. And so the, the uh, eyes were controlled by another puppeteer, and I would use these cable mechanisms. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Look at this. And the thing with the cable mechanisms, they work great, but for someone like a ventriloquist on stage, it's un they don't want to see this. They don't want to have that showing up. Uh-huh, no. And the other thing with cable mechanisms, <laughs> you know, um, they're great when they're new, uh, but if once the cables start to get kinked and things like that, Muscleboard, no. <laughs> and so I really wanted to, to develop a, a mechanism, and it literally took me, gosh, oh, almost twenty years to get it. <laughs> and now I'm just having a blast. Understand? That's a lot of details, and it, it's it's uh, Einstein right there. We have mm -hmm. him talking. Yeah. So he sat up on a bookshelf and. Uh, dispatched wisdom on this show. So two, one person doing the puppetry and somebody else doing the, the eye mechanism controls. And yeah. I made a puppet for Darcy Lynn, the singing ventriloquist this year. And this was the prototype of the puppet that I made for her. Yeah. I did the changes to make it look a little younger, but this is an early version of that mech as well. Wow. Yeah, exactly. It's online with this puppet. It's kind of a... Justin Bieber character. Yeah. yeah, she's calling him Ivan. And so the the version that she's doing is a little hipper and stuff. We gave him some hair. But this was just for me, because it was still early on when I was doing the mechanism just to get it down. But I wanted to be able when you when you sing, it'd be like la right. 
if you ever close the mouth. Yeah. How many times when people do mechanisms, the, the puppeteer has to stop their performance to do the mechanism. So I want to be integrated so you can keep talking and doing all these other things and not have to stop the puppet and do it. Yeah. That's, yeah. Ooh, that's so cool. It's working so well. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. And I just pick, you know, I used to read so many different things about how to do mechanisms. And then about three years ago, it just sort of, it finally all came together. And I have all throughout my little, oh, I just kept all the prototypes. And I went, when I finally got it working, it's like, oh my gosh. And I was like doing a little happy dance in my studio. Oh, and all together that's the reveal so yeah i want to ask you this question about the i always talk about a crush like but maybe you can have an anecdote around that like a crush for a puppet like or when you 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 have some kind of that moment like do you have an anecdote it's well I'll tell you, it actually it, it did start with a crush so in the uh gosh early 2000s there was a show on PBS called Between the Lions. And this was a show about a family of lions who lived in a library. And the, the puppets were beautifully crafted puppets. Um, and many of the Muppets were Peter Linz um, played Theo the lion. And I got to meet Peter. And um, he let me try on Theo. And when I reached inside, I felt this little mechanism that you pull back with your middle finger uh -huh. I was, first, first of all I was obsessed with the beauty of this puppet because the camera didn't do it justice seeing it up close it was remarkable but I felt that mechanism inside and that became an obsession how was I going to make that mechanism and I read everything and looked at everything and I found out that Jim Krupa was the guy who did the mechanism in that puppet. So I started looking around for stuff. Where there's Jim Krupa, and of course he's written nothing and published nothing. But eventually I did find uh, that my mechanism ended up being a hybrid of, of a mechanism that Jim Krupa made. And then there's a guy named Dave Prevett, and he has a series of instructional videos called From Sketch to Show. And mm. I got his video. And I studied that. And then also B.J. Geyer, who does um, a lot of the, who's done several puppet making videos for the Stan Winston School. He had some ideas for a mechanism. So I stole a little bit from Jim Krupa, from Dave Prevett and B.J. Geyer. And I ended up sort of really simplifying. My mechanism is stupid simple uh, to build and to make and, and to fix. And, but I, I was obsessed with that puppet because it was so gorgeous. And I was obsessed with that pulling back. You know, so many um, people made mechanisms they have to reach up for. Once you're reaching up, then you're really lo losing control. And um, I had played with some puppets that had um, a control on the arm rod. And I, that's the first version of that eye, I did that with the, the arm rod. But I still, there's something about keeping it inside is really yeah. My goal was now ventriloquists, you know, and the hard figures, they have all those controls on the stick and they love mechanisms. Uh, but nobody in the vent world was doing a mechanism in a soft puppet before. Mm -hmm. doing something in something made of collapsible, squishable foam. And so that was really my goal. I wanted to be the, the first to do that. Yeah. And in the vent world, I think I'm the only person doing this. 
right now. That's amazing. I'm sure there's somebody else doing it. I don't know who they are. I, I yeah, I, I don't like I I I start documenting stuff, but I think you're the first who's showing to me. <laughs> no, I can't say that. So they're looking like a landslide. Yeah. You know, but at some point I, I will probably publish something on how that I do that mechanism. But I need to get a few more years under my belt because uh my puppets are, are made to last and, and they've got a pretty good I've I've made very few repairs over the years. I want to wait until this mechanism's been out there another couple of years and performers have been using it. Yeah. So I can understand when they break, why they break. Yeah. How to make that better. So um when I get the sort of a sense of the history, then I then I'll know if I've chosen the right materials mm -hmm. and and so, uh, what, and I, again, when I when I do come out uh, either with a, a video or a book or something, I want to be able to tell people not just how to make it, but how to make it last and how to fix it. Yes. So I do get a lot of requests from people asking me about that mechanism. I'm saying, not quite ready. I, I, I am going to do something that is my plan, but I still have work ahead of me. Yeah. We have people asking, like, amazing merch, any workshop. Like, yeah, people want it. <laughs> They deserve your talent and your tricks. Yeah, and I, I love teaching. I really enjoy it. I've done workshops at puppetry festivals and things like that. And then I have some online puppet making videos with the wonderful company Creative Mundo. Uh, they're based out in Salt Lake City, and they have uh, 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 instructional videos online. My Both of my courses, I have two courses, one in basic foam rubber construction and one in making lookalike puppets. Each video is nine hours long, step-by-step -step instructions, include patterns and material lists. And then you can go to my website, handemonium.com. That's the, uh, the shirt there. Yeah, the, yeah. Handemonium.com. And there's a tab at the top that you can click for my puppet making videos. Planning to do a third one in the summer. I'm gonna, we're going to do one on animal puppets. Mm, and um, so, but hopefully uh, COVID will be settled down a little bit then and there. You know, what's been really interesting about COVID is I thought my business was just going to drop off to nothing. Yeah. But I have been, I last year was my biggest year ever in terms of the number of puppets I made in one year. Uh, I did 30 last year and I did 27 this year. So really no drop off. But I've heard that from other puppet makers too, that they've had a really good year. Yeah. And I think I figured out what it is, particularly for ventriloquists. They're having downtime. And so this is the first time they've had to develop new characters and a new act. When they're working all the time, there's no time to do that. So I yeah. think that's part of the reason why uh, my business has been okay during COVID. Yeah, that's that's a good uh, analyze. And and, and it's great. And we have questions from the audience. We have oh, yes. Please, ask anything. You ask. If I don't know the answer, I'll make it up. Yeah, look, it, it, it's right there. How do you make those beautiful iris in the eyes? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so it depends on, on the puppet. When you're doing a blinking eye, um, you can't use like an animal eye or a teddy bear eye because it, it bulges out. So you need something that goes flat mm -hmm. against the eyes. So um, I make my eyes out of um, vinyl, mm. uh, vinyl. And then I have all these different size hole punch punches. Oh, yeah. 
so you can cut out there's a so that'd be a, the pupil and so um so like you hear see there so i got a little green going in there and a little black in the center and then so for this eye here not sure how much of that shows yeah it's a little uh filling in and stuff coloring with markers and stuff to bring out the colors in the eye so i've got some other purples and some greens and some blues in there as well and right there so that makes a really good eye and the thing is you know you can reposition it you can change it so it's 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 permanent stick on vinyl and i've got whole punches of every different shape and size depending on it and this is typically uh the size that i use on my puppets which is like a um a 50 millimeter eye uh-huh and of course then you can see how big that one is so you, you, you draw it with pen like the iris of it yeah i just did it with um with sharpie oh that's great that's that works beautifully yeah i don't know if you can see those colors yeah yeah we see we see the mm -hmm. so there you go yeah and um i have a question for you about the the future and your purpose as a, a puppeteer like what is your vision of like the goal or the thing you 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 want to achieve in, in your business and career well i i think the way my career is 36 years later after starting um it's exactly it is now where it was 36 years ago i have no idea where it's going next i never planned this and when the television work began to evaporate i started wondering oh gosh am i done is is this over and all of a sudden the world of ventriloquist sort of dropped on my lap and it's you know it's a different style of uh i had to change my building techniques uh -huh. to, to what ventriloquists need in a puppet there are a lot of things that translated over from television puppets and then, but uh, I had to change some things up, like most notably the size. Let me show you this. So here, here's a, uh, a puppet from, God, this puppet is about 25 years old. Oh. <laughs> so you can see, and it's a rather large puppet. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It, it communicates so much. We really feel the beingness of this guy <laughs> like, thank, you. thank you very much <laughs> yeah. With <the> yes <laughs> very politically incorrect so you can see sort of the size of him now let's go to um a more recent one look just the the, the difference in the yeah. size of the heads let's get a yeah. camera here so you yeah, can maybe see. i can put it bigger but it's yeah let me get, let me get one on one hand and one on the other um Get, I think you get a little sense of that. But let's just match him up chin by chin there. You can see. Uh, yeah, I think I can put you in big like this. There we go. Yeah. So they're, they're about, about a third smaller. They're about 25 to 30% smaller. Uh, than I used to make them. And the reason being, I noticed at, the, at a ventriloquist convention, when women or children would pick up my puppets, uh, the puppets seemed enormous and unwieldy in their hands. 
So what I wanted to do was scale everything down. And so they fit children and female hands and bodies better. Huh. Yeah. And the ventriloquists really like having legs and stuff all like that. So having to build them so they can either stand or sit. So it was coming up with a knee joint that is flexible, but also can be rigid as well, depending on the angle. So these will actually stand in there. But if you want them to sit, you can flex it as well. So coming up with that. And then also the inside of the puppet, because um, ventriloquists will often uh, switch characters in the middle of the show. So you have to be able to get the puppets on and off really quickly. And so a lot of puppeteers really like to have finger tubes inside uh -huh. the puppets, um, but they can be a little cumbersome if you're trying to get them on stage. Like for example, uh, Darcy Lynn, the singing ventriloquist, yeah. uh, talked about that she tries to get on a new puppet in six seconds. Take off one puppet and the new one in six seconds. So you've got to be able to, be able to get your hand in there. <laughs> Just as I'm trying to do it, I can't do it. You have to get your hand in fast and be ready to go. Yeah. So it was changed. So it would be easier and fast. And also for uh, people who were new to puppetry or ventriloquism, so they could just put their hand inside and know what to do and not have to have it explained to them. Uh-huh. Totally. Wow. I really like this guy. I really sort of did realistic eyes, and they're kind of soulful. I love it. It's, it's so... Uh... Yeah. And I really I liked I sort of, in looking at the guy, I noticed he had a really sort of, Nice, beautiful round sculptural forehead yeah. that I really enjoyed sort of doing that, those kind of lines. It's charisma. Yeah. This, the guy has got a great face. And the, the moment he said he wanted to look like puppet, I said, oh, yes, please. Yes, I want to do it. And he was taking bids for other puppeteers. And I was going to say, I'll do it for nothing. I'll pay you. Let me do the puppet. And he came back to me. So great guy named Laron. And That's perfect. Uh, so, but he just had a beautiful, Face. He already, to me, looked like a puppet. I wanted to do him so bad. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. So, Barry, we have plenty of comment right there. Like, okay. Stephen who said that you, yeah, he saw you. And oh, you Steve Petra, the wonderful, amazing Steve Petra. Yeah. Um, one of the great minds of puppetry. Yeah, and we have also Ledwin who said that you have a, you are genial, genial in French. Genial. Uh, you have bad judgment in any language. <laughs> uh, and Barry, if people want to see more of you, want to discover more of your work, how they can reach you and see? Well, um, I am on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, just uh, You can either do uh, my name, Barry Gordimer, on Facebook or Handemonium. You'll get me on Facebook. Handemonium.com is my website. I'm just Barry Gordimer on Instagram. And so you'll come across all of my stuff. I have been very busy with evangelicalist work and I try to post often and try to offer uh, tips. If, you know, feel free to, to drop me a line, any kind of questions about uh, how to make puppets. I have no secrets. Um, I, I think one of the great things about this art form is how willing everybody is to share. Yes. And, and that's one of the, and the nicest people on the planet I know are puppeteers. And so many come from a, an educational background, a teaching background. And, and that's one of the, the great things about it. Yeah. 
you know, whether you're at, you don't have to go to a puppet festival or a ventriloquist convention to learn. Everybody is so remarkably, remarkably generous with their, their talent and their time. Yes, that's true. And people still curious. We have David who, who asked for classes. So maybe you will have few students. Yeah, well, well, maybe when we get past COVID, I can do some uh, in-person workshops again. In the meantime, I do have those two uh, puppet making videos, each one nine hours long. They're step-by-step -step details with material recommendations and things not to use as well. And, you know, all of my bias and all of my very strong opinions about what I think works in a puppet and doesn't work in the puppet. And of course, everybody else is wrong and I'm right about everything. Never wrong, ever. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, thank you, Barry. I, I think we we get your your essence, your passion. You are such a You're my madness. <laughs> your madness about puppetry, but we love it. Well, I love doing it too. It's just, uh, you know, that that moment in uh, the Gracie Puppets studio. I mean, you know, I, I guess, you know, I, I once heard a wonderful speech by someone who said, life makes sense in reverse. When you go back and you look at how your life has progressed and you see how one thing led to another, led to, it all makes sense. At the time when it's happening, it doesn't make sense. But now when I look back and that day that I arrived in that studio, my life was transformed in that moment. And it, 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 it was no looking back. And that book, that thin book back there, that gift that they gave me was my passport to the most wonderful journey I ever could have imagined. And the journey's continuing. And I I still learn stuff um, every day. In fact, I just learned something new today on this guy when I was putting in his eye mechanism. I thought, wait a minute, there's an easier way to do this. I've been doing it the hard way. So I'm still learning stuff every day. And I learn all the, the puppet makers who put pictures online and those who've taken my courses and they show me their puppets. I learn all the time and I, I love learning. And I think it's something also that so many puppeteers have in common is that they're lifelong learners. And yeah. that's part of the magic of, of, of what we get to do. Yeah, your name right. is. I'm a philosophizer, hey! Yeah. <laughs> Learner <laughs> of your life. Mm -hmm. Learn from everything, from the yeah. object. But I, I can't put into words what it means to me and what it's meant to me and the people I have known and treasured uh, because of puppetry. It's just, like I said, it was a that moment, looking back, my life launched that moment. Wow, that's so cool. Thank you for this cherished yeah, moment. It's so precious to name it and, and to, to vision it and just Mm -hmm. Like those, I feel it's it's why I'm doing those interviews. I feel sometimes it's just a, a reminder of what puppetry brings to to us. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Barry, for all of this. It's amazing. Oh well, thank you, Carolyn. I've really enjoyed this. I've been watching your podcast. I've enjoyed your guests as well. And um, 
I'm happy to come on anytime and answer questions. And, you know, uh, it's just, it, it, it's a joy for me. Yes. And I can see the joy that it brings to you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of joy and and it, it's so much truth. That's that's what in this world of of crazy madness, it's so funny how people could feel puppeteers are the craziest. But no. well, we are. look, we're grown up who get to play with dolls. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, but it's so much so so truthful that it's key to play in life. Mm -hmm. so yeah. I love to promote that too. Thank you, Barry. I will I don't want, but I will have to push you out of the screen and do the, the end. But stay in the virtual studio, okay? We we chat after this interview. Okay. okay. I'll okay. stay right here. Thank you again. Yay. Well, <laughs> thank thank you <laughs> everyone thank you for watching it was a wonderful puppetry sharing moment and yeah i want to just say again that we have this workshop coming about obs more electronic than building but we will have other building for sure workshop so this one is with edwin salas and we will talk about all of those aspects of online streaming and this platform, OBS, what it is, and we will talk about the change, the chroma, the filter, how to integrate all of that into our performance online. So yeah, everyone, feel free to write to us and uh, share this interview because we, we have so much fun and passion to share and bring to the world. So I wish you a wonderful evening. Stay safe. And yes, we will have other podcasts coming next week. So have a wonderful evening or morning, however you are in the world. Bye.